Today's scripture reading is from the book of Genesis, the third chapter, and the eighth to the thirteenth verse. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that we were naked? Have you have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman put you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What What is it you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. This is the word of the Lord. We are nearing the end Um, of our systematic study of the first three chapters of Genesis, what we've entitled uh, The Beginning. Uh, It's the foundation, it is the foundation of the relationship that we have with our Father and our Creator. This is, that's why it's so important that we, we understand this, because this is the foundation on which all our spiritual walls and roof, chimney, the little appointments inside, the curtains, everything is, is, is a part of that. Uh, it starts right here. Um, he's our creator, and he's our savior. He, he, he speaks things into, into existence, and he's that covenantal partner that we can go to uh, relationally. He's, he's Abba. He's, he's daddy. He's, he's that. Uh, last time we looked at the first nine verses of the third chapter, and it was there we saw the interchange between, uh, interesting interchange between the, the crafty serpent, serpent and the woman in the garden. And we read, uh, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The serpent convinced the woman that what God said was a lie. That's what the the serpent convinced the woman. What God said is a lie. It's not true. What God told you is not true. Uh, And the best thing for you, woman, Eve, uh, to do is to eat the fruit that God said not to eat. 
She saw it. She took it. And she gave it. She took the bait. Adam went along with it. And as we shared last time, as the Apostle Paul would share some, some period later, uh, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. See, the woman was deceived, tricked, bamboozled, however you want to term it. Uh, but the man wasn't deceived. As I shared then, I share now. It's almost even worse because the man, he wasn't fooled. He chose. I just straight up chose. I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm not... No, I'm not tricked. I know what God said. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm not going to do right now in this situation. Uh, clear choice, woman or God, God or woman. Uh, and like I shared before, no need to call on the roll call because it might get a little warm. Uh, you know, it's, it's like you know, we, we, tend to, we tend to, we make those, those, those bad choices all the time. God says, you know, this is, this is the way I want you to do things. I hear you. I hear you. I really do hear you. I'm just not going to do that. I'm just not going to do it. And we'll rationalize in our mind. We'll, we'll, we'll say, you know, well, God wired me this way. And, uh, you know, uh, and I know what you're thinking, too. It's like, again, if we're in the garden, I'm walking with God. And I can't get it right in the garden walking with God. I've got no chance right now. Huh. It's like they were walking with God and they messed up. What chance do I have? As I shared then, I share again. It, we have an even better chance because we have the Holy Spirit residing in each and every one of us as believers. We have God in us. So when the evil one comes at us with uh, the okie doke, uh, that we is like, no, no, I'm not going for that. I'm not going for that. And I know there's a tug of war. And then even Paul admitted, it's just like, you know, some of the, sometimes the things I don't want to do, that's what I do. The things I really want to do, I don't do them. And rhetorically he asked, who's going to deliver me from this condition, this tortured condition? He said, thanks be to God for his son, my Savior, the Christ, who died, who now has, he's rose again, and now the Holy Spirit is alive in me and allows me to make those right decisions I have the capacity to make the right decision every time. Now, do I make the right decision every time? Don't look at me. You don't, and I don't. Why don't we? Because we are in sinful flesh. And that war is just, it's just, you know, we're just button heads, button heads. But there's, again, there's that fancy word, the sanctification that takes place or should be taking place in the lives of each and every believer that the things that I used to do I don't do those with that kind of frequency anymore. And even more than that, some of the things I used to do, not only do I not do them, I don't even want to do them. They're not even, they're not even part of my, my vocabulary anymore. You don't know when you used to hang out. You know, it's just like nothing wrong with having fun. But, you know, when you were really clubbing, you know, when you were really doing that, it's just like, you know, you wake up the next day, you're vomiting. It's just like, wow, boy, didn't I have a good time? No, 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 no. So, so, so as we mature in Christ, we reach those points where it's like, you know what? That's not even appealing to me. And it may not even be a pivot point that you can even recall. It's like, I don't know at what point this no longer became attractive, but I can't even see myself doing those things anymore. If we haven't moved to that point, then we ought to ask ourselves, it's like, okay, so where am I 
in this sanctification process. So we have the ability to choose. Uh, we have God in us. So what happened next is what uh, every parent has experienced with their, their kids. Uh, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, the parent, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The man and his wife, they're accustomed to hearing the sound of God, but now, in this case, instead of running towards him, or, boy, I hear God coming. Let's go see. Let's go, let's go start walking. It's like, I hear God coming. Let me hide. Let me, let me back out of this situation. I don't want to be in the, in the presence uh, of him. That's what sin does. It creates a wedge. It creates a wedge. Sin creates a wedge, both horizontally and vertically. So what was God's response to their hiding? Uh, but the Lord God called to the man, to the man, where are you? Where are you? Who, who, where are you? God, still the covenantal, relational, and creator God, as I said last time, calls out to the, to the head of this mess, uh, the man, where are you? He, he knew where he was. He, he, oh, I'm hiding. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. You can't see me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. Okay. All right. Where are you? Uh, where are It was as if to say, what's up? What's up? What, what's, what's going on? So today we pick up at the 10th verse. This is, this, is, this is really great stuff. The 10th verse with a man's response. This is the best he could do. I don't, know how, I, don't know, I don't know how long he thought about this, but it's like he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. <laughs> That's the best you can do, huh? He didn't say, you know, I was, I was hiding because I disobeyed your command. That would have been the truth. You know, I messed up. God, I, 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 really, I really messed up. But he attempts to hide the reality of the situation while hiding himself. He attempts to hide the reality of what's going on as if God doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to, you know, it's just like, don't look at the right hand. Don't, 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 don't look at the left hand. Look at the right hand. Look over here. Look over here. Trying to create a diversion. He said, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Uh... Think about that for a moment, the man's response. There's immediate knowledge and awareness as a result of eating the fruit. And as a result, he views his condition, I don't have any clothes on. He didn't have any, any clothes on before he ate the fruit. He didn't all of a sudden say, hey, boy, you know, let me just strip off my clothes. He's like, you were naked before, and you were naked now. So it wasn't, the, it wasn't the nakedness, it was, it, was, it was the disobedience, it was the act of what he shouldn't have done, that's what he did. Before they ate the fruit, they were naked. After they ate the fruit, they were naked. The difference now is that they're aware of their state, that they did something they shouldn't do. And so what do they do? They hide. They separate themselves from God. I know, well, boy, those guys are some, some, some dummies. Uh, it's the same thing today. 
It is the same thing today, like oil and water. Sin causes separation, horizontally and vertically. Uh, uh, it causes schisms between husbands and wives. That's what sin does. It causes schism between neighbors, between parents and their kids, uh, uh, people on your job. It divides us racially. It divides us socially. It divides us economically. It just, that's what sin does. If you could look up sin, if I were Webster and I were creating the dictionary, and I said definition of sin, number one, wedge. That's what it does. Sin creates a wedge. It divides. It, it, it separates what God wants together. Again and again, I'm not telling you anything that we haven't already shared before. God, through the prophets, directed his people in such a way to acknowledge how sin caused division amongst the people. See, see we, we, we like to get caught up in if, if I bring a few turtle doves, if I bring a few, few bucks for the offering plate or whatever, and that makes me right relationally. It's just like, no, your sin has caused you to, to, to sell the poor for a pair of sandals. I'm not making that up. This is what the Bible said. You read the book of Amos. Twice. You're selling people for a pair of sandals. You're taking advantage of the widows. You're taking advantage of the orphans. You're taking advantage of all. That's what sin will do. And you have the audacity to come to God. And it's in the 59th chapter of the book of Isaiah where we read, it's that because of our sin, we are separated from God. I believe it's the second verse in the 59th chapter of Isaiah. Read it. That whole 59th chapter talks about sin and how it separates us. This is not a small thing. I know it is sin, three letters. Oh, we talk about sin all the time. You want to know why there's so much dysfunction personally, relationally, societally, worldwide? Sin. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I'd like to make it more complicated, a little more theologically deep, and it's, just, it's sin. It's our willful disobedience to what God said do. You don't, unfortunately, unfortunately, you don't have to teach kids to be sinners. They're born that way. Oh, little pookie, little pookie. We have a three-year-old, just turned three-year-old grandson. He just got the word, the report yesterday. Uh, The new sheriff in town, a little seven-month-old little brother. What What does the little sinner do? He pushes him off the couch. Why did, you push, why did you push your brother off the couch? He was in the way and he wouldn't move. That's what a sinner does. You don't have to teach that. That's not the, it's in us. And to the degree we condone, oh, oh see, that's, see, we're just, we're grooming grown sinners. That's what we're doing. We're, we're grooming grown sinners instead of it's like, no, you're a sinner, you need redemption. From the very beginning. From the very beginning, you're pointing them to Christ. Well, you know, there's a, that, that, that knowledge gap. I get that. See, for those, I don't know, they, all the batteries now are, are, are all self-contained. They don't even have the batteries where you have water and all that stuff anymore. But, you know, the little terminals on your car battery, if you just have just a little bit of corrosion on one of the terminals, it may not mess up the battery right away, but leave it unchecked. See what happens to that battery. See what happens to that car when you try and start it on some cold morning. Man, my battery's dead. That's what sin does. That's exactly what sin does. A little bit of corrosion. 
starts to eat away at the battery, saps the power. And then when you need that thing, you need that puppy to turn over. I got to go to work. I got to do. It's really important, God. I need this. It ain't turning over. It ain't turning over. That's what sin does when it's not checked. See, Adam may not have been able to break it down that way, but uh, he knew then and we know now that infinite holiness can't coexist with anything else. You can't have infinite holiness and anything else coexist. Light will overcome darkness every time. That's why he hid, and that's why we hide today. That's why he hid, and that's why we hid, uh, hide today. So, but as the loving Father God is, he prods, he pushes. He, he, said, uh, he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? God is interrogating Adam not to, uh, he already knows. He already knows. He's not, okay, you know, I, I like how our daughter, uh, <laughs> although she sets him up. You, you, you ask the kids, okay, now I'm not going to get mad at you. Tell me the truth. Uh, actually, she does get mad at him. Uh, but, but tell me, I want you to tell me the truth. It's for your benefit. Tell me the truth. I already know the answer. You got cookie crumbs all over your face. I don't need to ask you, did you eat the cookies? The jar is broken. I know you were in the cookie jar. Tell me the truth. How did it happen? I don't know. You don't know. There's two of us in this house, and you don't know what happened. Uh, God is holding a mirror to Adam so he can understand and examine himself. So God is saying, uh, uh, <laughs> what's changed, Adam? How did you get so smart? Uh, did you eat from the tree? You know the one, the, command, the one I commanded you not to eat from? Is, is, is that what you did? Uh, these rhetorical questions, they really just require one-word responses. Who told you that you were naked? Nobody. That's the answer. Nobody. Nobody. I know. I, I, I know. Uh, did you eat from the tree I told you not to? Yes. Yes. Wouldn't we love that from, if our kids did that, man alive. It's like, I can't spank you, I love you. Oh my goodness, you're telling the truth. Oh my goodness, I love you. Uh, but uh, we wouldn't have the story if we didn't have a different response. The man said, the woman you put here with me, uh, she gave me some fruit and the tr from the tree and I ate it. So instead of a simple yes or no, take ownership, my bad, you know, uh, the man says, you see, it's like this. <laughs> it's like this, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I got a situation here, you know, it's like this. Uh, anytime we try to rationalize our behavior, 99.999% time of the, you're wrong. Anytime well, the reason I did this is because you're wrong. The reason I, the reason I don't talk to so-and-so is because you're wrong. The reason why is you're wrong. 
point nine. Just think about the things that you, you that you you've held on to or, 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 or rationalized in your mind. Why you do the thing you did? You're wrong. I, but pastor, you don't know. I don't need to know. I've been where you live. I live where you live. Boy, oh boy, this is just not my wife's day. I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. She said blah, blah. Don't even know what blah, blah. I'm going to tell her off. This is it. This is it. I'm going to say something. You better shut up. You're wrong. But she's wrong. You're wrong. Oh. The reason why I don't speak to that person is because. The reason why I'm in this predicament is because. The reason why things are a little sketchy right now is because. Adam completely, if there were buses then, he has changed the oil, backed up over Eve, and, and he just threw her under the bus. It's just like, boom. And even worse, he blames God. The woman you put here with me, it's not my fault. You gave me this rascal. I didn't ask for her. I was just minding my own business, just running around the garden. Yeah, I was lonely, but that was then. This is now. The reason things are all messed up right now is because of the woman, you know, the one, the one you gave. See, see, you think about it, that was at the 23rd verse of the second chapter when he's like, oh, man, oh, man, you're the one. They're the one. As B.B. King would say, the thrill is gone. <laughs> the thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. So that, was, that was last chapter. <laughs> We're moved on to another chapter now. <laughs> Oh, man, the woman you gave, the one you gave me, she gave me. So you connect the dots, God. That, that's, 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 isn't that pathetic? <laughs> but that's so me. That is so me. Oh, God, the reason I'm in this situation, uh, you know, you, 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 you called me to do this. It's your fault. You, you, it, it's, it's your fault. You, you, you don't blame me. The man is claiming he's just a victim. How could I not end up in this situation? You know, the, 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 the Eden deck of cards were stacked against me. You know, I, 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 this, was, this was lose, lose from the beginning. God doesn't deal with him right now. So he turns his uh, attention toward the woman. Well, maybe I get a better response from the woman. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. Uh, if this weren't so serious, this would be hilarious. This really would. This would really be hilarious. Adam blames the woman and blames God for giving him the woman. And the woman, uh, not to be outdone, it's like, I can name that tune in two notes. No, uh, that snake over there implied the one you created. Ultimately, all, all the arrows, all the, the, the markers are pointing back to God. You're the problem, God. You made the woman. You made the serpent. I got nothing to do with this. I'm good. It's all your fault. 
If you didn't want this to happen, again, as we shared before, you should have baby-proofed Eden. Should have put the little locks on the toilet, closed the cabinets, chopped down the tree. And as a matter of fact, why did you even plant the tree? It's your fault. It's your fault. You, you could have kept all this from happening. I'm closing. I'm closing. Uh, what are you saying? I'm saying sin messes up everything, and what does it do? It divides and conquers. So we've gone now from the, the perfect couple to uh, the first Bonnie and Clyde. We've had the first perfect couple, and now they've morphed into Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, uh, unless and until we come before God broken, contrite, repentant, we will always find ourselves hiding among the trees. We will always be hiding in the trees. Always, always. Uh, nowhere in this exchange do we see Adam saying, you know, I'm sorry. Forgive me. God, I, I, I messed up big time. I am so sorry. Forgive me. Eve, she just took her cue for, from her boo. Uh, Adam was blaming everybody else. I'm going to blame everybody else. I'm not apologizing for anything. None of them said, I'm sorry. I'm the sinner. I'm the one. No, no, it's, it's not my fault. It's never my fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my spouse's fault. It's my job's fault. You know, if I made more money, it's my neighbor's fault. It's always someone else's fault. It's not my fault. That's what sin does. A little bit of corrosion. And then when we want to turn the ignition to the spiritual car to go through life, and we find it doesn't turn. I knew I shouldn't have bought that car. It's not the car's fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. No, it's not my fault. It's your fault. And we have the audacity to blame God. Sin divides and conquers. We're going to see next time God in his loving, infinite loving way, how he deals with our mess up then and our mess up now. Let's pray. Our Father, our God.